Welcome to Fire Talk Radio, teaching the unfiltered Word of God with the anointing of His Spirit. With subjects on eternity and the choices we make that determine our eternal destiny. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Fire Talk Radio tonight. I'm so glad you joined me. And my name is Deborah Lacewell, and tonight I'm going to begin a teaching series called Jesus, the Ultimate Healer. So tonight will be the first lesson, and I'm really, really glad that you joined whatever part of the world you're listening to, whatever part of the state or world. I'm going to start the lesson now. You know, the enemy, he plays on ignorance and confusion. If you don't have biblical information on healing and God's will in the matter, then the enemy has the upper hand because you're not educated in that area. Therefore, he's going to play on your ignorance and he's going to try and confuse you as to what God's will really is. Knowledge is power, so educate yourself. Research what God's word has to say about healing, and then you'll have the ammunition that you need. Now, I'm going to read part of Chapter 6 from the book, Christ the Healer by F.F. Bosworth. I'm going to mainly focus on a clergyman's absurd exposition. 2 Corinthians 12, 7 through 12 through 10, as 2 Corinthians 12, 7 through 10 reads, And lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan, to buffet me lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice, that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses, for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. One of the most prevalent objections raised today against the ministry of healing is Paul's thorn in the flesh. One traditional idea has led to another. There is a widespread teaching that God is the author of disease and that he has chosen some of the most devout of his children to remain sick and glorify him by exhibiting fortitude and patience. This has no doubt led to the idea that Paul had a sickness that God refused to heal. We do not believe that anyone 
who would take time to read all that God has to say on the subject of healing could ever form such a conclusion. I am quick to admit that equally devout men may hold contrary views, not only on this point, but on the whole subject of divine healing. It is merely a matter of study and investigation. Many good men whose teaching has been that the age of miracles is past, while reading the scriptures, have thoughtlessly passed over the Bible teaching on healing, believing it not applicable for our day. Nearly all who have spoken and written against us have not hesitated to use our name and go after us with hammer and tongs. But they never have attempted to answer the scriptural arguments that we have presented in our sermons on the subject. We have carefully, without mentioning their names, read their statements publicly and answered them from the scriptures. If we were fighting against flesh and blood, we would name them and go after them with a vengeance. This would not be Christ-like. We feel disposed to keep our hands off God's servants and let him fight our battles for us. A clergyman's absurd exposition. Now, this is what I'm reading, a clergyman's absurd exposition. Before considering the subject of Paul's thorn, we quote the following from a Stenographic report of a sermon preached by a prominent New York clergyman. He also revised the sermon, printed it in great quantities, and distributed it in every home in the vicinity of a revival. Although we had practically no knowledge of what we taught, although he had practically no knowledge of what we taught, Having never seen or heard us, he sought to offset our teaching on healing. Among other things, he said, the fact is Paul was sick. He was the sickest of men. He had one of the worst and most painful of oriental diseases. He had ophthalmia, a disease of the eyes. The proof that he had it is overwhelming. He tells us that he had a thorn in the flesh. When Paul stood before Christians, his eyes filled with unspeakable pus, unspeakable looking matter running down over his face. Why would they have gouged out their eyes for him except that his eyes as he stood before men, were a pitiable and appealing and unappealing sight to them, as the eyes of anyone with ophthalmia are. The particular pain of this disease is that it is like a stake in the eyes. It is beyond dispute 
that Paul was a sick man, he says so himself. Paul did not get this disease by an infection. How did he get it? Jesus Christ gave it to him. Paul did not want to be sick. He prayed the Lord to heal him from this sickness. He prayed not once, nor twice, but three times. He received no answer to his prayers. In spite of all his praying, he got no healing. His thrice-offered prayer brought him no cure, not even the hint of healing. That is not all. The Lord said to Paul a very startling thing. He said, my grace is sufficient for thee. He tells Paul it is better for him to be sick than to be well. He tells Paul it is the divine will. He shall not be cured. He tells Paul divine power can and will operate in and through him better with ophthalmia and sickness than without it. Hear what Paul has to say in response to the Lord concerning his infirmity and the will of the Lord that he shall not be cured of it. These are his words. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmity that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Here is Paul saying just this. I will glory in my ophthalmia. My eyes may be full of repulsive discharges. I may be the object of pity. No matter. I will glory in it. I will rejoice in my sickness. In the quivering flesh and painful suffering of his apostle, the Lord has written his divine protest against this unspeakable doctrine, this brutal transmutation of the cross of Christ into a center of physical healing. In answering our brother's arguments on this point, we will state first that the expression thorn in the flesh is not once used in either the Old or New Testaments except as an illustration, the figure of the thorn in the flesh is not in one single instance used in the Bible as a figure of sickness. Every time the expression is used in the entire Bible, it is specifically stated exactly what the thorn in the flesh was, as we shall see. For instance, In Numbers 33, 55, Moses told the children of Israel, Paul's thorn, before they entered the land of Canaan, if ye will not drive out the inhabitants of the land from you, then it shall come to pass that those which ye let remain of them shall be pricks in your eyes and thorns in your sides, and shall vex you in the land wherein ye dwell. 
Here the scripture itself plainly tells us that the pricks in the eyes and the thorns in the sides of the Israelites were the inhabitants of Canaan, and not eye trouble or sickness. These teachers contend that Paul's thorn must have been a bodily affliction because Paul says that the thorn was in the flesh. I answer that in the case of these Israelites, the scripture says, pricks in your eyes and thorns in your sides. But this does not mean that God was to stick Canaanites in their eyes and sides with their heels dangling outside. God was only illustrating to show that as a thorn sticking in the flesh is annoying, so the Canaanites would, if left remaining, be a constant annoyance to the children of Israel. Let's reread 2 Corinthians 12, 7 through 10. The thorn in the flesh. And lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses, for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Now, Paul definitely stated that his, what his problem was. He says it was the messenger, or Greek word, angelos, or angelos, is spelled A-N-G-E-L-O-S, of Satan, or as translated by others, the angel of the devil. Satan's angels, etc. This word, this Greek word, angelos, appears 188 times in the Bible and is translated angel 181 times and messenger the other seven times. In all of the 188 times in the entire Bible, it is in every case a person and not a thing without a solitary exception. Hell was prepared for the devil and his angels or messengers and An angel or a messenger is always a person that one person sends to another and never a disease. In verse 7, it reads, a messenger of Satan to buffet me. 
The word buffet means blow after blow, as when the waves buffeted the boat, and as when they buffeted Christ. Accordingly, Weymouth translates Satan's angel dealing blow after blow. Since buffeting means repeated blows, buffeting was a disease. It would have to be it would have to have been many diseases or the same disease many times repeated to be called buffering. In speaking of this messenger or angel, Rotherham's translation uses the pronoun he and why mouth translation states as for this three times I besought the Lord to rid me of him both both of these translations use personal pronouns he and him speaking of Paul's form these two pronouns as well as the word angel or messenger prove that Paul's Born was, as he plainly shows him, as he plainly himself shows, a satanic personality, and not a disease. We could not use the personal pronoun he or him when speaking of ophthalmia or any other disease, because there is no gendered ophthalmia. Suppose I should ask a man how his cancer was. What would you think if you heard him reply, he's a lot worse and I am suffering terribly? Now, since Paul distinctly distinctly states that his thorn was the angel of Satan sent to buffet him, a demon spirit sent from Satan to make trouble for him wherever he went, why should we say it was something else. This messenger of Satan was sent to keep Paul humble, lest he be exalted above measure and become prideful. God hates pride. Proverbs six sixteen through nineteen reads these six things the Lord hates. Yes, seven are an abomination to him, a proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that are swift in running to evil, a false witness who speaks lies, and one who sows discord among brethren. Proverbs 16.18 Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Lucifer himself fell because of pride. In Isaiah 14.12-14 it reads, How you were fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning, how you were cut down to the ground you who weakened the nations 
For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation on the farthest sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. Everywhere Paul went, he had revival, and not only did he have physical trouble, but he had supernatural trouble. A demon was following and oppressing Paul all the time, trying to cause trouble. Paul prayed for God to do something about the demon. Nowhere are we told to ask God to do something. We are supposed to resist the devil. God's grace, his divine ability in us to do what we cannot do is sufficient. God has given us his grace, armor, the name of Jesus, and the authority to handle the devil. Paul suffered many things for the sake of the gospel. 2 Corinthians 11, 22-27 are they, are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they the seed of Abraham? So am I. Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool, I am more, in labors more abundant, in stripes above measure, in prisons more frequently, in deaths often. From the Jews five times I received forty stripes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods, once I was stoned. At a little interjection here, it is 2014, so I need to clarify, Paul was not referring to being, to being stoned on drugs, but being stoned with rocks that others threw at him with the intent to kill him. I just had to clarify that. <laughs> Let's continue reading. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day, I have been in the deep, in journeys often, in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils of the Gentiles, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and toil, in sleeplessness often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness. My goodness, that makes me tired just reading those those, those verses. Everything that Paul went through for the sake of Christ and the gospel. So many things he went through. 
a thorn in the flesh is, is actually a figurative speech. It never refers to a disease or sickness. A thorn in the flesh is similar to me saying a pain in the neck or a pain in the rear. Just because I say someone is a pain in the rear, it doesn't mean that they are a hemorrhoid. It's a figure of speech. Now, there are some other instances of thorns in the Bible. As I read earlier, Numbers numbers 33, 55. But if you do not drive out the inhabitants of the land from before you, then it shall be that those whom you let remain shall be irritants in your eyes and thorns in your sides and they shall harass you in the land where you dwell. Joshua 23:13 Know for certain that the Lord your God will no longer drive out these nations from before you, but they shall be snares and traps to you and scourges on your side and thorns in your eyes until you perish from the good land which the Lord your God has given you. Judges 2 and 3 Therefore I also said, I will not drive them out before you, but they shall be thorns in your side, and their gods shall be a snare to you. Ezekiel 2 verse 6 reads, And you, son of man, do not be afraid of them, nor be afraid of their words. So briars and thorns are with you, and you dwell among scorpions. The Amplified Bible reads, dwell and sit. So that would read, though briars and thorns are with you, and you dwell and sit among scorpions. Do not be afraid of their words or dismayed by their looks though they're a rebellious house. Now, Ezekiel, he was not literally sitting on scorpions when it says, though briars and thorns are with you and you dwell and sit among scorpions. It was a figure of speech. Ezekiel twenty-eight twenty-four reads, and there shall no longer be a pricking briar or a painful thorn for the house of Israel from among all who are around them, who despise them. Then they shall know that I am the Lord God. While the terms in the Old Testament, pricks in your eyes and thorns in your side, were used, the Canaanites were not an annoyance to the Israel in the sense of inflicting any physical diseases, or infirmities on their bodies, as the annoying Canaanites were outside the bodies of the Israelites. So Satan's angel was outside of Paul's body. For surely the apostle had no demon inhabiting his body. And just to let you know that a Christian cannot be possessed and they they can be oppressed 
and obsessed, but they can't be possessed unless they reach a point to where they don't repent and then they're given over, they're cut off without a remedy. Then they can be possessed. Now, Paul, when he talks about the thorn in the flesh, is talking about a constant irritation. Either all is literal or all is figurative. Paul definitely had devil problems. If Paul's thorn was ophthalmia or sore eyes, which he does not mention, instead of these reproaches, which he does mention, why does he not say he takes pleasure in sore eyes instead of in the reproaches? The widespread perversion of the scriptures dealing with Paul's thorn in the flesh is certainly inspired by Satan because it gives him the privilege of carrying on his evil work of afflicting and tormenting the bodies of humanity. If Paul was the sickest of men, suffering with ophthalmia, then why would the Ephesians, after seeing the pus run from his eyes and God refusing to heal him, even want to bring handkerchiefs and aprons to him so God could do special miracles through them. Acts nineteen eleven through 12 reads, Now God worked unusual miracles by the hands of Paul so that even handkerchiefs or aprons were brought from his body to the sick and the diseases left them, and the evil spirits went out of them. Nowadays, if somebody put a handkerchief on somebody with ophthalmia, we wouldn't lay them on the sick to heal them. We'd burn them to stop the, to stop the spread of infection. Now again, if Paul was indeed the sickest of all men, then the cripple would not have had faith to be healed after looking in Paul's eyes and seeing pus running out of them. Acts fourteen eight through 10 reads, And in Lystra, Lystra, a certain man without strength in his feet was sitting, a cripple from his mother's womb who had never walked. This man heard Paul speaking, Paul observing him intently and seeing that he had faith to be healed, said with a loud voice, stand up straight on your feet. And he leaped up and walked. Why would anybody that Paul came in contact with have any faith whatsoever to be healed after looking at the pus supposedly coming out of his eyes? from his supposed ophthalmia and finding out that it was supposedly God's will to keep him sick. Acts 28, verses 8 through 9, And it happened that the father of Papaleus lay sick of a fever and dysentery. Paul went into him and prayed, and he laid hand, his hands on him and healed him. So when, he, so when this was done, the rest of those on the island who had diseases also came and were healed. 
I don't think any of the aforementioned people on the islands would have had the faith to be healed if they saw pus coming out of Paul's eye and thought it was God's will to keep him sick. They just say, okay, God's will, I'm supposed to be sick, let me go back and live with it. It's a bunch of rubbish. Grace is given for spiritual and not physical infirmities. The grace of God is imparted only to the inward man, which Paul said in this case was renewed day by day. 2 Corinthians 4.16 Therefore we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. God's grace and mercy have always been given to enable us to bear our persecutions and temptations but not to bear our sins and sicknesses which Jesus bore for us. Galatians 4, 13-14 You know that because of physical infirmity I preached the gospel to you at the first and my trial which was in my flesh you did not despise or reject But you received me as an angel of God, even as Christ Jesus. This was was indeed an infirmity in the flesh. This is actually literal that Paul is speaking of. It's not figurative. He was weak in his physical body. Why? The answer is in the book of Acts. Acts 14, 19 through 20. Then Jews from Antioch, and Iconium came there, and having persuaded the multitudes, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing him to be dead. However, when the disciples gathered around him, he rose up and went into the city, and the next day he departed with Barnabas and Derby. Jews came to cause Paul trouble. They were influenced by the devil. This trouble explains why he was weak. He had been stoned and left for dead. Now, all of that, I'm going to conclude the teaching for part one of Jesus, the ultimate healer. And just lay that was to lay a foundation for for the series so that you could get a, a foundation and and get an idea and, and hopefully well, not hopefully, I know that that totally wiped out the idea that that Paul that got it's God's will for Paul to be sick with ophthalmia. Which is not true. It's not God's will for anybody to be sick. Cause, because Jesus took that sickness 
on his own body on the tree. And then he, he was crucified. So I hope this has blessed you and I hope it's it's opened your eyes. Now I want to give a couple of announcements. If you have any prayer requests, comments, questions, feel free to call one eight six six eight five seven four eight three seven. That is one eight six six eight five seven. Four eight three seven. You can call anytime for prayer. And our email is Fire Talk Radio, the number two at yahoo.com. That's Fire Talk Radio at yahoo.com. We'd love to hear from you. I'd love to hear any testimonies, comments, questions, prayer requests. And also I wanted to let you know about the River Bible Institute. Now, it started, it's been in a week, so whether or not they're still taking people, I don't know, but it's it's only been a week, so you'd have to you'd have to call the number I just gave you pretty soon. I'm going to go ahead and play this promo for you real quick. On the east coast of Florida's Kennedy Space Center launching shuttles into outer space. Right here in Tampa, Florida, the west coast of Florida is a launch pad launching revivalists into the 21st century around the world with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you feel the call of God on your life, now we've got two schools here, the one called the River Bible Institute, the other one the River School of Worship. And if you feel called to preach the gospel, the River Bible Institute is for you. If you called in the music ministry and worship, the River School of Worship is for you. So don't put it off for another day or month. Sign up today. In 1997, Drs. Rodney and Adonica Howard Brown launched the River Bible Institute. The vision is plain, to train men and women in the spirit of revival for ministry in the 21st century. Since its opening day, the River Bible Institute has been a launching pad for ministries to be sent to the far-flung corners of the globe. Until now, to be a student, to sit under the anointing and teaching, you needed to travel to Tampa, Florida. But get ready. In 2011, RBI goes online and comes to you. We're getting ready to release an anointed program of study that you can take at your own pace and in the comfort of your own home. Now you sit under the same teaching and experience the same anointing as the students in Tampa. In our initial program, you study stewardship, knowing the person of the Holy Spirit and the anointing. If relocating to Tampa hasn't been possible for you, if leaving your place of work has been a barrier, then RBI Online is for you. RBI Online, launching early 2011. Register your interest today. Very 
people are broken. Many are lost. What they need is hope. They need healing. They need love. They need a They need someone who will lay down their life. Someone with the fire of God who will hear God's call and bring Jesus to the world. What they need is a revival. There is a place called the River Bible Institute, a place dedicated to training believers how to live, minister, and flow in the anointing. And it's for anyone, whether your heart is in business or full-time ministry. This is a place the Word of God is taught and demonstrated. The Word will challenge those of you attending to find clarity in your calling and deepen your relationship with the Lord. It will provide you with a new perspective on how to reach the lost for Christ and live in God's life-changing power. It is a place will be empowered to make a difference and set your world on fire with revival. God calling for all believers. Did you Week is already over. 
So I would go ahead and and, uh, just see what happens. You can call 813-971-9999 and just ask to to speak with the the school. And also you can go to uh, River School of Worship dot com river school of government dot com and river bible institute dot com now it leads me to another website which is the place where I go to church at and it's revival dot com r e b i v a l dot com you can watch the services live Online, if you're not in the Central Florida area or anywhere close that you can get to be to the church at, but you can definitely, definitely uh, come in and uh, be with us if you're in the area. If not, our services are at 10 in the morning, 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, and at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And tomorrow, uh, and then Wednesday, at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So those are the service times. And uh, you can watch any of the archives also online. And and any you can get the soul winning tools there as well. Now, another, another thing that is going on is a, a camp meeting in Silver Springs, Maryland. And it's, it's been extended for a third week. I'm going to play a quick, quick commercial for you on that one. Hello, Rodney Brown here. I want to invite all my friends that were part with us in Celebrate America, D.C. at the Doors of American Revolution Constitution Hall for the three weeks, 15 nights, over 31,000 decisions for Christ. I'm asking you to come join me in Silver Springs, Maryland for our Celebrate America camp meeting. It's going to be a time of praise and worship and signs and wonders and the power of God coming down and revival and the move of God and also the harvest of souls. So come and celebrate with us what God did, because let me tell you, it's only the beginning, and the best is yet to come. Looking forward to seeing you come and be a part with us. Celebrate America Camp Meeting, Silver Spring, Maryland. For more information, go to www.revival.com. That's www.revival.com. Now that's going to be at Emmanuel's Church, one six. 819 New Hampshire Avenue, Silver Spring, Maryland, 20905. And that's Power Evangelism in the morning, Tuesday through Saturday at 10 a.m. Teach you how to soul in and powerful there. And Sunday starts tomorrow at 7 p.m. It's going to be Sunday through Friday this coming week at 7 p.m. And you can go to their website. Uh, you can find all this information on Revival.com. So I just wanted to let you know about that. It's going to be some powerful, powerful meetings. So we look forward to that. So I just wanted to let you know about that. Now, hopefully tonight you've you've gotten an idea of of healing and the foundation that's been set. So that um, so that you'll have an idea. Now, remember that 
that it's not God's will for you to be sick. It's not his will for you to be diseased or in any kind of oppression or any kind of bondage at all because Jesus took that all on the cross himself. So he took all of that on himself, which I am truly, truly grateful of myself. Now, I just want to want to let you know how much God loves you and has a great plan for your life. Now, if you're absolutely not sure that like if you died this very second that you would go to heaven, if you can't if you couldn't say to me, "Yes, I would go to heaven if I died this second." I want to let you know that that God he loves you and he has a great plan for your life. The Holy Bible reads that we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And whoever calls upon his name shall be saved. So if you want to make sure you're going to go to heaven... Just mean it with your heart and just repeat after me. Just say, Dear Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. Wash me, cleanse me, set me free. Jesus, I believe that you died for me. I believe you rose from the dead and are coming back again for me fill me with the Holy Spirit give me a passion for the lost a hunger for the things of God and a holy boldness to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ I am saved I am born again I am forgiven and I'm on my way to heaven because I have Jesus in my heart Amen. I want to let you know that all your sins are forgiven you. Always remember to run to God and not from God because he loves you so much. He has a great plan for your life. And that right there is exciting news. And Father God, I just thank you for these precious people that are listening right now or that will listen in the future by the archives. I ask you to touch them from the crown of their head to the soles of their feet. You release your healing anointing from the crown of their head to the soles of their feet in the name of Jesus. And I thank you, Father, that they are the healed of the Lord. I thank you that you sent your word and healed all our diseases and delivered us from all our destructions. I thank you, Father, that you sent your word. You are the word. You were the word made flesh. And I thank you, Father, right now for, for touching everybody. And I speak to every, every, everything that's not of God to go right now in the name of Jesus. And I command, I command wholeness. I speak wholeness and healing, sound mind in the name of Jesus. And I thank you, Father God, for this right now. I thank you for all those suffering from depression. In the name of Jesus, I break the power of depression In the name of Jesus, I break that oppressive, depressive spirit in the name of Jesus. You have no dominion over them 
In the name of Jesus, I set you free. There is no distance in the realm of the spirit. And, Father, I thank you right now for setting them free. I, I speak the word over them in the name of Jesus. And I thank you, Father. I thank you, Jesus, for healing them and for removing that depression. And I speak to every every female condition, speak that those wanting children, that God, you, you, you enable them to have children. Those that are married, um, let, me, let me clarify that, Lord. Those that are married to their husbands, that want children, I, I ask that you open and you, you you do whatever needs to be possible, and that that they that they have that that they have that baby that they've wanted, that they carry it full term, healthy, and a healthy baby. And I I speak to I speak to every every cyst and lump and uh, in the breast, I, I I curse it like Jesus cursed the fig tree. In the name of Jesus, and I command it to go in the name of Jesus. I thank you, Father, for that. I speak to the eyes. Eyes were made to see. Ears were made to hear. To those, I speak to every single, every single thing. I, I and every heart made whole. Every diseased heart. I, I, I thank you, Lord, for opening the arteries. And and he, he, healing it and clearing it of all plaque that needs to go, and and I thank you for smoothing it out in Jesus' name and making their hearts new. I thank you for creating miracles. I thank you for for high blood pressure to be made normal blood pressure, a normal healthy blood pressure and low blood pressure to be to come up. I thank you for diet healthy diet helping in that matter as well, Lord. And I thank you for this, Father God. I, I give you all the glory, all the praise, and all the honor in Jesus' name. And I thank you that you are the mender of the broken heart. You are the healer and the mender of the broken heart. And I thank you for the for mending the hearts of the broken, those that are grieving. I thank you for giving them joy. I thank you for giving them beauty for ashes, and and I thank you for the the joy of the Lord is the strength. I thank you that they put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, and I give you all glory, honor, and praise, Father God. And I thank you, Lord, for for everything that you've done, everything you continue to do. I give you all glory, all praise, all honor. In Jesus' wonderful name, you are so amazing. You are so wonderful. You are so good. You are so, so wonderful. And I just want to—I just want to tell you how much I love you, Father. How good that you are. How wonderful. How majestic. How mighty. How lovely. How glorious. How divine. How beautiful. You're so, so wonderful. Now, if anybody out there listening has not received the baptism of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues, Jesus is the baptizer in the Holy Ghost and fire. Now, if you want to receive that baptism in the Holy Ghost and fire with the evidence of speaking in other tongues, just repeat this prayer after me. Just say, Jesus, 
You are the baptizer and the Holy Ghost and fire. Baptize me with evidence of speaking in other tongues. Baptize me in this Holy Ghost and fire. And then now, in the name of Jesus, amen. Now, when, you, when you're going to speak, you're going to just open your mouth and let come out what's going to come out. Is don't speak in English, Spanish, Italian, whatever your language is or any languages that you know. Don't speak of those. Just start start letting come out what comes out. And don't lean on your own understanding. Don't don't let your head get in the way. Just speak it. Now just keep speaking it. That's it. Keep speaking it. Heart stronger, stronger. That's it. There you go. Thank you, Father. Thank you for the baptism of the Holy Ghost and fire and the evidence of speaking other tongues. Now I want to let you know that if you didn't get it, don't worry. Keep keep believing by faith. And and you will get it. We there's been testimonies of people doing the dishes and all of a sudden they start speaking their prayer language. Now, another thing I want to pray for is the healing of marriages. And that would be the traditional marriage, which is the biblical marriage. I should say the biblical marriage between a man, one man and one woman, which I need to clarify that. So, Father God, I just thank you right now for healing marriages. Lord, Heal their hearts and, and, and help them to fall in love. Whatever it is that they need to do, Father, if it's seek counseling, uh, whatever it is that needs done, Lord, I lift up these marriages to you. And I thank you that you love marriages. You love people. And I thank you right now, Father. And I lift up that marriage, this marriages to you between one man and one woman, the biblical marriages. And I thank you, Father. For healing them. And I give you all glory, honor, and praise, Father God. Well, that's about it for tonight, for right now. Uh, you can join me next Saturday. As of now, I think it's going to be on Saturdays that I'm going to be doing Jesus is the Ultimate Healer. So be checking out part two for next week. And Saturday, probably maybe 8 o'clock. Um, it could change. If it changes, I'll, I'll, I'll advertise. I'll announce it on Facebook or I'll put a post or something. I'm really glad that you joined me tonight. And I want you to know that God loves you. He loves you. He loves you. That he loves you so much that you're precious to him. You are loved. You are valuable. And you're accepted in the beloved. And I love you. <laughs>